Welcome back to the Free by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evan Williams, and this is episode three. Okay, so I am still in Mexico City. It's a hard city to leave, I have to say. I'm getting very comfortable here. But I have changed apartments, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm just feeling very comfortable. It's, uh, it's a nicer apartment. The Wi-Fi is stronger, and that is very helpful for this whole podcast recording business. The place I'm in is a shared apartment, and I have a private room. The room has this big closet, and as you'll all soon learn about me, I don't have a lot of clothes, so I don't need this closet. What I've done is I've converted it into a podcast studio. (laughs) Why they didn't put that on the Airbnb listing is beyond me, because that's such a selling point. But anyway, I lucked out. I'm still using the duvet method to try to capture the best audio for you guys. Hopefully it's working. (laughs) So anyway, today's episode is part two of my interview with Stephen Kraft. The last episode was part one, and we covered a lot about Stephen and how he ended up working remote and traveling the world at the same time. So definitely check that episode out if you haven't done so already. But let's get right into part two of this interview. Enjoy. I want to double back um, to a word you used in, uh, I think, fielding my first question was the programming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the, you know, the, the Western uh, way, the, the programming, not not so much the culture, but yeah, just that, that like, um, that brainwashing in a way, almost. I'm curious, when did you come to the realization that it, it was that dynamic? Uh, was it when you actually left and spent time in Japan that, that you realized, or was it the reverse culture shock coming back that it finally hit you? Great question. I'll have to really think about that, but I would give a quick response by saying over time, growing up, I never felt good about school. Really? The way I was taught. Interesting. There were never, ever people around who were doing cool stuff. Ah. Where were the people building and showing me how to do stuff? Whenever folks would come to the house to fix things, because my parents hired them, because they had jobs, I wanted to watch them. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to make friends. I was friends with Bruno, our landscaper. And I wanted to know how to do stuff. So I was always not feeling right about it. The friction that I encountered in grad school was so immense. Mm. Like, the obligation that I felt to complete the course, to, to be part of this, was so much that I, and I hated my life so much I wanted to die. And it's not even a joke. Like, I hated my life. And... It was later that I think maybe after some sort of uh, 
breakdown over time combined with a friend who I just talked to a moment ago that's I've known since I was seven who helped me realize through joking like sayings that nobody cares it's not all that important um, you know you gotta take it easy almost and over time I realized that what I had been told and taught and programmed and shown through example as being how we have to live doesn't have to be part and parcel as they gave it to me. And I can take pieces and I, I thank my dad every time I see him. He taught me so many good lessons. I never lose things. I treat people with respect and kindness. I thank people. I treat those who are serving me with gratitude. I take good care of my body. I honor opportunity. But there are other parts of what I was taught explicitly and implicitly that I learned to let go of when they, through questioning, I realized weren't a good fit for me. Mm. So this has been a process. It's continuing to happen a deprogramming and a reprogramming yeah. and I would say that it was just piecemeal it came it comes uh, over time and meeting people who have like yourself a very uh, radically different way of doing something has been profoundly helpful for me yourself included I sit and ruminate on these interactions and they help me reflect on my own and then change comes next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, um, I completely agree. It's a very important topic. I feel that it's really quite difficult to overcome the well, let's, let's put it this way, to reset the tracks that have already been laid during a very uh, just essential part of our lives. Sure. When, we're, when we're kids, we're, uh, we're taught these, these approaches, these, these uh, uh, I guess, you know, beliefs, this just way of living in a way that uh, it is, it's reprogramming, and it's, it's micro-corrections because trying to overcome something like that is almost impossible. I'm not going to say it's impossible, it's super difficult, but if you make these small incremental changes in your life, when you have that gut feeling of something's not right, you have that dissonance, you have that discord, you understand that something that's, that's, uh, that's being done a certain way just doesn't marry up with what your beliefs are, then that is your, that is your internal compass again telling you, and you got to make a change here. And, and you can do little little tiny micro corrections and and over time that really kind of uh, it builds up yes so yeah I'm always here for you man yes. <laughs> yeah amen. And, and I'm gonna need to lean on you too sometimes <laughs> we we're just Please. talking about that it's so important to have to have like your pack you know yes. and, and be reminded of that stuff and, and that you're not nuts for yeah. feeling like it's not right <laughs> yeah man that guy his name's Dino he and I 
still have these same kind of joking questions like, dude, are we nuts? Yes. Yes. I I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that you (laughs) are nuts. Right. But it is. It's what we were saying before, like me traveling so light the way I do shouldn't be impressive or crazy or shocking. (laughs) It should be the norm. Like everybody else that has like a ton of, of possessions you know, like the average household has three hundred thousand items or something in it. Like, why is that not crazy? Yeah. Why am I the crazy one? Right. <laughs> yeah, it is important to have yeah. those relationships. Critical thinking people. Yes. Questioning everything. Yeah. It's healthy. Yeah, and then who can check you? Maybe you are a little nuts. Yeah. You know, I get that too. Like. <laughs> You know, you're overdoing it here. And that's been helpful, like, especially for my family. Mm. Coming home, it's really interesting. So coming home over time, they would see me once, two, twice, three times a year. And they would see major changes in me. Really? Yeah. And those micro-corrections were a little bit more macro when you look at it over a longer time scale. Absolutely. Person sitting here now is so different from the person 17 years ago when That's I beautiful. graduated you know, high school. And uh, the micro-corrections are real and important, but what sometimes I overcorrected or I was responding so wildly to something that I didn't really didn't sit well with others. So for instance, when I first realized in a deep way that food scraps, I don't call them waste because they're not waste, food scraps in the U.S. most of the time go into the garbage. And when I realized that and that I could do something about it, I came home and I flipped out at my family. Like, what are we doing? Why are we've got a backyard let's compost I built a compost pile I said this is how we're doing it it's it's their house it's not even my house at this point I'm an adult I come home and tell them to change what they're doing and you know getting pissed that they're driving so much and why are you buying so much plastic and what are you guys doing you know and I had to recalibrate that my way is not the way of the world or other people. And so um, having other people who are critical thinkers, who have different viewpoints, is super helpful to to allow us not to be isolated and to help us get some perspective, uh, both for the encouraging side of things and for the mm, checking ourselves to make sure that we're, you know, being reasonable. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like a soundboard in a way. Yeah. Um, and it really does help you learn more about yourself. And it's amazing that you're that open-minded. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this world that just, um, they are not open enough to have that self-discovery and self-development um, ability. But, um, yeah, that's that's amazing. And another thing that you were mentioning about, like, these these systems that we have, and this is where permaculture comes in, and it's just, like, such a simple uh, and just beautiful concept of, like, all of these houses in, in 
that, that we're familiar with growing up have lawns. Yes. And it's you need to go, you need to buy, if you have like a, a gas-powered mower, you need to go get gas, you gotta burn through gas, you gotta have this equipment, you gotta spend time, you gotta sweat. Again, like we said, time is our only asset. Where you could have a little fruit forest that's actually giving to you, that you give to it and it gives back to you. But instead, we have this concept that, no, you're supposed to have a lawn. You're supposed to have this well-manicured, just like rub type thing. And it's, it's just, you know, it's bizarre. And it's really healthy to, to question those, um, those like those subtle, just always accepted uh, ways of life. Uh, but I, I do have just a couple more questions. Please, please. Uh, I want to I want you to share a little bit about uh, what I think, just from viewing from afar, uh, Mr. Stephen Kraft. Um, what I take is is maybe one of your essentials, and that's adventure. Uh huh. You recently got back from quite a adventure, uh-huh. didn't you? Uh, Biking through South America. Uh huh. Could you just give us a little recap on that and just like some key takeaways from it? Like some things that you learned, like how it changed you. I imagine it was pretty transformative. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, so for the past few years, I've tried to avoid the winter in Rochester, New York because it's so brutal, yeah. but I couldn't last year. So I was there for seven months, I think, and I only got out in Feb- on February 26th, 2019. So I flew actually here, I met you, and then I had my bicycle, my camping gear, and all the associated tools in a box. And uh, after a few weeks here, uh, it was scheduled for me to go to Santiago, Chile. And I uh, built up the bike at an Airbnb and started going. Um, (laughs) I I love it. I didn't really know exactly where I was going to go, how I was going to get there, but based on the seasons, I knew I wanted to go north because it was turning into fall. Here it was turning into spring, there it was turning into fall, and then winter, so I didn't want to go south, even though Patagonia was attractive, I couldn't mm-hmm. go. So I cycled west to the Pacific coast, to Valparaiso, and then I cycled back inland, past north of Santiago, and I crossed the spine of the Andes uh, into Argentina, through Uspallata, Mendoza, San Luis, and eventually towards central Argentina and Córdoba. And then I rode north uh, through all of the provinces until Salta, which is uh, the largest city in the north. And then I crossed the spine of the Andes again, this time over one of the highest mountain passes in the Andes. It was over 15,000 feet um, through to Chile, into the driest desert in the world, San Pedro de Atacama, where I finished the trip in late June. So it was three months on the bike, 3,200 kilometers or so, 
incredible. Self-supported, no tour van, carrying my stuff, a lot of camping, cooking for myself, staying in hostels, sleeping on the side of the road, sleeping in a field, sleeping in a park, meeting strangers, sleeping with them at their house, and Key takeaway, the most important key takeaway was that I didn't bring warm enough gear. <laughs> and uh, also, so, so translate that into the true takeaway, which is be prepared. And uh, I'm a very prepared person typically. Mm -hmm. Maybe even I carry more things than I need to, you know. I won't pass any judgments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, I did a lot of homework on where I was going to go, and I ended up being very lucky one day I could have died because of the cold. And I, there was a checkpoint where I was supposed to sleep and get water that was closed for the winter. I missed it by a week, and then I stayed at a mine where there were two guys at this mine, the highest part of the mountain pass. And they put me up for a night, fed me, and gave me water. They were my, like, double emergency spot. And they were closing the next day info that wasn't on the internet. And I would have frozen. I would have frozen, and the winds were unseasonably high against me. I had a headwind for, like, two weeks. Um, and it was negative 20 at night, and so I would have died. Maybe. Or maybe somebody would have passed me, but... I only saw one car in one and a half days. And oh it was, my god. It was the vehicle that saved me, and I did end up taking a ride for 45 kilometers. Uh, to Better than dying. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, being prepared is super important. I also learned uh, that if I had a warmer bag and tent, I could have been slower and enjoyed the scenery more instead of feeling rushed hmm. to get to a place that was more uh, comfortable. This uh, is a really good point because it's it's one of the it's one of the cornerstones of um, of really pairing back. <clears throat> you don't want to pair back so much that you're losing out on value of, of, of your life really. Yes. And that's, right there is case in point yeah pack a little bit extra in your sleeping kit so that yeah you can really just appreciate the moments more yes wow yeah and great example <clears throat> thanks the only other one is uh, kind of funny and it, it's maybe lost some people aren't into bikes but I would next time ride on a bike with wider tires there's a whole thing about you know narrow tires. You go really fast, and I had two point four inch wide tires, which is pretty wide. Next time I'll go for three inch tires because I I took a lot of dirt roads on this trip instead of highways, which brought me to some of the most beautiful landscapes I've ever seen in my life. Wow. So unlike my previous tours, which were mostly on road, this I had at least a third of all the roads were on dirt. And so I want to turn towards more challenging terrain, which becomes more comfortable with wider tires. So, makes sense. When you finish this book, 
you need to let me know. I'm going to buy this book. I'm going to read this book over and over again. This sounds like such an incredible story. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I, um, it, it's, it's, it's one of the last points I want to make, one of the last questions. And it's, it is, it's all about, like, it's such an exciting time. It's so exciting for me to talk to you because you've put the work in. You've gotten to this point where you've, you've reduced quite a bit of noise and you are focusing on these essentials. And one of the last things I wanna, I wanna ask you is around that and, and specifically this added, this, this most valuable asset that we have, time. Um, are you doing any self-improvement, self-betterment at this moment or if not, do you have any other amazing adventures coming up that, that you're planning for your future anytime soon? Great, great questions. Uh, yes, I am continuing to reduce how, or no, I'm continuing to modify how I engage with my electronics. I stopped using any form of notifications. I'll turn on the ringer if I know, like recently there was a contractor who said he was going to be by within a window of time. I didn't want to miss him. Yeah. So I turned my ringer on. I'm with you there. I have no notifications. I use Grayscale on my phone. Yeah. Actually, I, uh, it's one of the reasons I want to change this phone is because I can't do Grayscale. I'm not even kidding. It's, it really does work. Like, yeah, I have. The analytics on the phone. When I have grayscale on, I use it so much less. So much less, yes. Um, never had Facebook. I used Instagram for that three month trip, but since I haven't used it besides that in three years, well, major time saver. If you use social media for an hour a day, that's 365 hours a year. That's almost 10 work weeks. A lot of productivity lost. So I also am checking email for work at most two times daily. I love it. And I continue to, I'm actually now quantifying with some applications which apps I use and how much I use them, sure. which has been helpful. So I want to keep working on that because when I actually ask myself honestly, there are things I'd rather be doing than texting. It could be reading uh, mm -hmm. on, on the computer or on a uh, Kindle or a book. Productivity stuff. Yeah, sure. or learning. Uh, you know, I love learning and reading. So that's something I'm, I'm continuing to work on is watching where I'm using my time. We were talking about this the other day, which is who I'm spending my time with. Absolutely. Which I want to take, and I've been pretty conscious about it, but I want to take it to another level. Compliment accepted. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, it's true. I, you are one of them. Uh, I didn't include you in that list, but you I would say that you, let's put you on the number three. I'll fit you in, right? The list of uh, the, the group, the pack you want to surround yourself with yeah. for inspiration. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, context for those who are listening is we are a reflection of the five people we spend the most time with. So true. So, choose carefully. Uh, well, who do you want to be like? You know? 
Um, adventures, no. Uh, theoretically, yes, but the next couple of months I'll be here in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am going to be doing a bunch of reading, study, physical activity, move nat- natural movement techniques, trying to actually you've been a major inspiration on this too as a reminder that I want to be going to bed with and waking up with the sun and uh, really tightening that up it improves your your just your state your overall state so much I just find myself so much more in tune with uh, everything around me and I just wake up and go to bed with a smile on my face when that happens it's just so it's almost like you're being like nourished and nurtured by like you know the sun just like you know just gently rocks you to sleep yeah. after going down and then just really gently nudges you awake it's just a lovely way of uh, waking up and going to bed yeah and I think it, I mean before we had electricity that was that was what it. we did have done for the past few years and will continue to do uh, self-improvement education and mm-hmm. feeling good about spending money on that. Um, I did a MoveNet training recently, which was three days this January. I'm strongly considering what they have in Mexico, which is an aquatics and combatives course. Um, I want to continue to pay for and invest in education for myself annually. Because I think that the thing we can invest in the most is ourself. Absolutely, right. That's uh, that's well put. I think those are all amazing, amazing things to focus on, and I think that's uh, that's a good stopping point for us. Um, Solid. Any last thoughts or words of inspiration? Thanks. Uh, it's not common to find someone who wants to share and also ask questions uh, with such genuine curiosity and depth and who I feel like actually might do something with that information instead of thinking that it's merely curious. So uh, it's an honor and a pleasure and I am so psyched to see where we both go and how we continue to share and Okay, that is my full interview with Stephen Kraft. My favorite topic that we discussed would definitely be expense management. This is very much a learned skill, and it's sort of like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. You can start small with expense management with some basic things, develop those into a bit of a foundation, and then build upon it. I've been heavily focused on expense management for probably over 10 years now, and I'm still always able to find more areas for improvement. So don't get discouraged. This is a big topic that I'm extremely interested in, so I'll definitely have subsequent episodes about it. I hope that you got as much out of this conversation with Stephen as I did. I really look forward to more deep conversations with him in the future. So keep cutting the noise and make room for what's essential 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, it would be amazing if you subscribe to my podcast. 